Welcome to The Rebooting Show, a weekly discussion with people building sustainable media businesses. I'm Brian Morrissey, founder of The Rebooting, and for 20 years I've been a journalist covering the media business. At the same time, I've been living the ups and downs of this business. My first job in journalism lasted all of a year before the magazine I wrote for went out of business. What became clear to me over the years is the business models in media companies were often geared to the short term and not the long term. For a decade, I was the president and editor-in-chief at Digiday Media, a vertical media company. And in my time there, we went from a WeWork with a handful of people to 75 people in offices in London and Tokyo and a multi-million dollar membership business too. That's given me an appreciation of how hard the media business can be and also how much the details and execution matter. Vision without execution is delusion in my view. So this show is going to focus on those details and the execution with those who are running media businesses. this week is Adam White, CEO of FOS, a media company that's home to a B2B media brand with front office sports, as well as a new consumer brand called Sports Section. I got to know Adam several years ago when he was just getting front office off the ground. He's one of my favorite media founders. He started front office sports in college, and I love the niche that front office sports is occupying in the business of sports. I'm at least intrigued with the strategy of expanding from a B2B property into a mass market brand with the new newsletter franchise sports section. Adam and I discuss how FOS got started, the opportunity they saw in the market, and how they built FOS over the years. Hope you enjoy the conversation. I want to take a quick break now to hear from our sponsor. But before I get to this week's sponsor, I want to explain a little bit about how I'm going to approach sponsorships with The Rebooting Show. This week and over the next three weeks, I'm going to tell you about a business that's helping to build sustainable media businesses. Then in the following episode, so episode five, which will be labeled as a spotlight episode in your feed, it will feature the sponsor itself. I'll treat these episodes the same as I do every other episode, and the sponsor doesn't control the questions or the approach. I'm interested to see how this works and would love to hear your feedback on it as it gets going. This week's episode is made possible thanks to the support of Silverblade Partners. Capital is like oxygen for businesses, but all companies and media, whether they're publishers, agencies, or tech providers, deal with cash flow concerns. 45 to 60 days is the norm for accounts receivable. And this creates a velocity mismatch. The media business moves incredibly fast and it's only getting faster while the financial system underpinning it slogs along like molasses. For many publishers, this means running a business with high fixed costs in terms of salaries, benefits, rent, and more, while the financing structure creeps along like molasses. That gap needs to be filled, leaving publishers a few good options. Many traditional lenders aren't experienced with these long payment cycles that have been normalized in the media business. That's where Silverblade Partners comes in. Silverblade is a strategic finance company with the experience to work closely with senior management and banking partners to provide liquidity, better payment terms, and higher credit limits. Learn more about how Silverblade Partners accelerates cash flow in the advertising media sector at silverbladepartners.com. So let's talk about origin stories because I, I want to like break these up into chapters and the first chapter is origin stories. And um, I mean, I met you a, like, I think a couple of years when I bang, when I banged story. down, when I banged down your door and I just basically told Digiday yeah. to buy. <laughs> buy I love this. We'll get to that. But like explain, explain how you got into media um, and how you started front office at college. Yeah, so it was very, I would say, non-traditional. I, I always joke with people. I say, the if you ever want to start a business, try and start a media company with no audience, no experience, and no money and see what happens. Somehow it's it's worked out to this point for us. But yeah, so it all started, I was a freshman at the University of Miami. We were doing sports, uh, I was a sports admin major, so sports administration, and one of our projects was uh, informational interview, similar to kind of what we're doing here. And 
in the informational interview and kind of overall messaging for the course was this whole idea of it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And the more people you know, the better chance you have to get into sports. And so did that project. I believe I sat down with the athletic director at the time. I enjoyed it. It was cool. I went back to Arizona where I'm born and raised, and I was playing baseball over the summer, working out, tried to get a job. No one really wanted to hire a kid for three months. I looked at serving and things like that because I was, it was, it's not the hiring market I feel like that it is now. I probably could have gotten $40 an hour if I was trying to be a, a server now. But, you know, it, was something where it was just like, all right, what am I going to do? And for anyone who's ever been to Arizona or lived in Arizona during the summer, uh, it's extremely hot. And I didn't have a pool growing up as a kid. So it was like 115 during the afternoon. I would play baseball at night and then I would work out in the morning. So I'm like, well, I have some, I need to figure out something. And so I was just like, well, what if I did these informational interviews and published them on a site? And I said, okay. And so I started thinking about it. And I was like, I took this one informational interview and I have the ability to do a bunch more. And the original name was supposed to be like executive report or something like that. Thank God it was not. not, No offense to executive report, but front office sports (laughs) like is much better. It just like works a whole lot better. Uh, So yeah, so I paid one of my friends who was a clothing designer like $40 for our original logo. uh, And then built the Wix website myself and I like to I love that by the way I missed the Wix website I remember the, <laughs> the Wix website. yeah yeah I uh I joke with people all the time that we were dark mode before dark mode was cool because the site was <laughs> literally a black site with like white text on it and I was like man I was just four years yeah. ahead of time uh, it was like so, very yeah, LA to me you know yeah it was it was I don't know what I was doing with it I was just you know, trying to make it but no I thought and, it was great because yeah. like you just got it up and running yeah sometimes you didn't wait it was, like, for it to be perfect no, no, didn't wait to her to but be perfect. Your, honestly, your goal was not to start a media company. I know a lot of people go not back at and all. Have like zero f- no. fake stories after they become successful, but like you've been no. telling the same ones since since I met you. Yeah, I mean zero. Like honestly, it was never it was never uh, even crossed my mind. The whole idea was to use it to get a job, not have it become a job. And I never actually I, to this day I joke with people that. FOS at large has never actually succeeded in the original mission. It like never got me a job. It became a job. It never got me a job. Uh, so yeah, so that was the whole that was the whole point. And I obviously met a ton of people. I did 110 informational interviews that first year, uh, which was which was crazy. I remember my first one. This guy who I still know, Ravi Shah. I still remember it. And this obviously five years later, he was a social media coordinator at the Sports Quotient, which was founded by Zachary uh, Weiner, who's now obviously at Overtime. I think he did it. That was like one of his first things. I remember I had like 20 questions like lined out and I just went through all of them. The interview was two hours long. It took me four hours to transcribe it. And I was like, all right, well, this is never going to happen again if I'm going to be able to do this. And so, yeah, so that was that was how it all started. And then I did the 110 informationals and kind of just kept going from there. Did you have any strategy? And I find it refreshing if you say you had no strategy. Because uh, a lot of people on, go back and like they're like, well, I saw the market and it was this yeah. and there was a white space. But did you like have any idea what you're doing or no? No. I mean, honestly, look, I was, <laughs> it was a, I was a freshman in college. I got, just coming out of my freshman year of college. I was like, yeah, I know how to talk to people and I can ca- carry a conversation. Um, and I was just like, hmm, I'll look at this. I saw I started to look around, seeing what people were doing. We started to get active on Twitter. Right. You know, saw what Ravel was doing. And I think things came like. Like strategies yeah. came and the business has shifted a lot, but like you have no money and there's nothing to think about other than just like, Hey, let's get content up and see what it does. I remember like one interview got 200 page views and I was like, Holy shit. Like I was like, print the cash. Like, yeah, I wasn't making any money or anything like that. And I still, I remember the first day we had the university of Nebraska was our first partner, our first sponsor, $2,500 check. I still have it somewhere. Um, but like that was probably a year later, but yeah, for the most part, it was literally just kind of for lack of a better term, throw shit up against the wall until it sticks and see what happens. And I think, you know, we started to do that. We brought on some early contributors who kind of wrote different things, um, you know, whether it was, and we weren't like breaking news or anything like that. It was much more career advicey. Like that's what it started mm-hmm. and it was much more career advicey, things like that. And I think the big, our, our big kind not break, but definitely our big break in the general scheme of things was rising 25, which was the award we launched. And it but was wait, like, this was you know, still, we were still in, 
University of Miami. Still in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I launched You launched, launched that, an like, award program while you were like in school? Yeah, it was Your like college a, experience is way different than mine. <laughs> Let me just say this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was very different than most, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, like the first year was 2017, and I graduated in 2017. Um, our oh, our okay. first partner for Rising 25 was uh, Teamwork Online, which is a job board. But that Rising 25 turned out to be the linchpin for our Anheuser-Busch deal, which we got in the... Uh, early spring of 2018, which then, uh, actually not even the early spring, like the mid-18, mid of 18, which is right after we met our investors. And so they were like, oh, if Anheuser-Busch is going to cut you a check for this, well, at least that is something meaningful us for us to put in paper. And obviously, like, yeah. we didn't raise a ton of money at the time. But, like, looking back on it, rising 25 to some random idea that, because we spoke to so many people, like, that was my whole idea was I just wanted to get an MBA, quote-unquote, by just speaking to people. And what they told me all the time is that all these young professionals that work in sports never get any accolades. They work the hardest. They don't get paid. And so I was like, well, what if we like do rising 25? Everyone has like their 30 under 30 or like, you know, uh, 40 under 40. And I'm like, but like that always index is much higher from an age standpoint. Let's do 25 and kind of set our um, set our foot in the sand. And yeah, we, we did that. And it's been I mean, it's been probably the most impactful thing we've ever done. So when you graduated from college, was it 2017? Oh yeah, God. summer of 2017. I feel so old. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but that's okay. Um, you, you knew this was going to be a full-time thing. You, you were like... I think there's something. No, here. not even not no? even then. Honestly, no, not even then. So you got you got to uh, change your origin story. You got to be like, I knew it from the beginning. No, no. I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't. I mean, on, I went. I, Honestly, I, I will get you it. not very far in media. Yeah, I know. Ask Ozzy fans. I guess I don't want to end up like that. Um, but anyway, so I. I didn't. I graduated in 17 and I was still like thinking about it. Like we had made a couple bucks. We had launched Rising 25. We had made a couple bucks, like nothing serious. Uh, we were still like kind of, you know, middle of the road. Again, I was in college. I had no money. I didn't have any experience. We had built a little audience on social. And like, I remember it was so funny and, and the variety people won't want to hear this, but I remember we had 5,000 followers on Twitter. Somehow I got invited to be press at a variety like a sports and inter uh, sports and information summit or something like that in LA. So I like flew out to LA. I don't think that press thing ever came through. And so I kind of like finessed my way into this like variety event. And I was just like, oh, well, this email said it. And they're like, well, we don't have your name on this. And I was like, well, like, and so whatever. I finessed my way into it. And we got verified on Twitter that day. And like, I don't know, we like posted about the event and variety, like retweeted it from the main account. And we're like, holy shit, like we're off and running. Um, so, so anyways, that was one thing that was, that was funny. And I, I distinctly remember, but yeah, in 2017, I graduated in May. And my whole kind of thought process at that time was like, okay, this is still going to be a side hustle and we're still going to make it something that, um, you know, hopefully we keep going. I'm going to get a full-time job. I had interviewed a couple places. I had an offer at one place and then, but I was really focused on this corporate partnerships job at the PGA tour and I would have moved to uh, Ponte Vedra beach, like just outside of Jacksonville. I did 12 rounds oh of God. interviews. That would have been I terrible. St I started in April. <laughs> I started in April. Did 12 rounds of interviews all the way through uh, end of August. And I was still living on campus. And so I got back from the interview. I, I was like, oh, this is a shoe in Like, there's literally no way this doesn't happen. They said they went with another candidate. And I'm like, well, shit, I have no place to live. I hadn't really been working outside of FOS. Like, I, I had a bar bartending job and a manager job at the restaurant on campus. We have a bar on campus at Miami. So I worked there my full, all my four years. And I just was thinking, like, holy shit, like, I have no money. I have none of this stuff. I was like, I have an audience. I kind of have this thing that's over here, and maybe the world is telling me to do this thing. And so luckily at the time, I was I was dating a girl who had um, had an apartment off campus. And so I literally the summer after I graduated, I crashed there, got a job serving at a, like a family-run restaurant in a spot not, not, far from, uh, not far from Miami. Miami ended hi hiring me as a TA for the program. And then I was helping as TAs for the program. I was working on the business and I was serving on nights and weekends. And uh, I just was like, okay, well, so let's see what we can do here. And 
from middle of 17 to early 18. That's how it all happened. Then, you know, obviously I met Jason on Twitter in, in early 18. They invested in us the end of 18, and I moved to New York in 19 and hired our first full-time employee. So it's, like, crazy, but that's, you know, it's, like, as succinct as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good origin story because it's, it's, it's actually, it sounds like it's mostly the true story. Usually I get, usually I, I get fake stories. But let's move on to, to the next chapter, which is the opportunity. What's the opportunity? Yep. I mean, you're the, the front office sports. So originally the opportunity was the business of sports. I know when we first, yep. when we first met, um, I forget, it was actually in Miami. I remember it was in Key Biscayne, I think. Um, uh, no, I mean, I think, I think the Key Biscayne was the second time we met. Uh, really? I think we the first time was when we met was in New York at your old office, the Digiday's old offices, like the really small one that was kind of dark. I can't remember like, uh, where Mercer it was. Like and, the, and, yeah. and Soho. Yeah. Yes, that's cool. Exactly. I like, that was my favorite of our offices. Um, yeah. But I remember like, because like our, our thing was basically technology, you know, disrupting these businesses, but it was also, I always felt like we did better in like industries that had cultural heat, you know, media punches above its weight. Otherwise who, in what other industry would anyone give a shit about Aussie media? Um, <laughs> fashion it's, ben and beauty. it's Ben Smith o'clock is what they said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fashion and beauty, uh, with, uh, with glossy and then retail, I guess is a little bit different, but, um, I, I sports is, is a similar thing. And I think the dynamics that you saw were kind of similar to what we saw, they they had traditional legacy players that were simply not in tune with yep. the the what where things were going. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much it. And like, obviously, we figured that out as we as we went right. Like from, and I think the biggest thing is I always I always tell people is that honestly, the informational interviews were the best thing that happened because we figured out exactly what we needed to do as soon as we had the money. If we would have had the money before we did the informational interviews, I guarantee you, like, we wouldn't be having this conversation because we would have never figured it out. I spent four years doing informational interviews, talking to people, having no money, having to figure it out. And they just told us everything we should do. They were like, you should keep it free. You should lean into this. You should, you know, do things with young people. And so when we finally got a little bit of the money to really put some gas on what we had kind of started, then it's like, okay, like this makes a ton of sense. And so, yeah, obviously it's changed a little bit too, um, given kind of where we're at, but at the time, it's like, look, there is a whole, we're kind of like this whole thing is now it's like where sports meets industry, just similar, like everything is related to fashion, right? Like everyone's doing, like Tom Brady today just announced a, an apparel line, right? So now it's like fashion and sports and investing in sports and crypto and sports, right? Like all these different spaces. And so, you know, I saw what Darren Ravel was doing and I saw what some of these other people were doing and really no one had ever been like outside of the legacy publishers say, hey, like we're going to make the business of sports kind of like sexy and cool and available There's to like all. There's like SBJ, and, like that's what I always thought it was yeah. SBJ. It's all paywalled. It it seems it's like an old site. It's like kind of I don't know. It's yeah, pretty, look, they they, they do they do a they do a good job, and they're owned by a big um, big conglomerate in Condé Nast, and like like the American City Business Journals like roll up into all of that, and it's like a massive organization. Uh, but our whole thought with them is that they really cover a space in the industry that's like for the 1% and it's only for the people working in and out of the, yeah. the sports industry, like in the sports industry. Whereas like we're trying to build a publication that Mark Cuban reads or the general counsel of Netflix read. And both of them are readers. Cause obviously we know they subscribe to the newsletter, but like, but that's also the social media coordinator for the but Jacksonville also, yes, Jaguars. A hundred percent. Because I think idea. that is the critical thing. Like even without being, you know, as young as you, like I remember like when, when the reason the marketers go after young people is because they haven't formed their brand preferences as strongly as old people. You can't convince me of anything. You know that, Adam, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've anything. I am not buying anything new anymore for the rest of my life. Um, but but really, they don't have the habits. So like you're you're always pushing. I, I always felt like you're always pushing like a boulder up a hill in trying to fight against the legacy and the in. You know they've got distribution over you. They've got people just they've been they have habits and stuff like this, but these young people don't have any habits. hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, that, literally that's rising 25, right? Yeah. We said, we're going to set a dam at rising 25 and anyone who comes through us, guess what? They're going to be brand advocates for the rest of their lives. And then they'll be in five years will be the people who are making the decisions and everything like that. And that's what I, I just, honestly, I've never gotten. And again, I don't come from legacy media. I never sold media outside of what I've sold here at FOS. You graduated um, from college in 2017. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> How much experience uh, but, are you supposed to have? I, I don't know. Zero, Five years of Condé. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But like the whole thought, like everything that we were always like, everyone was telling us is like, oh, like you know, these people, you know, they reach all the C levels. They reach all the C levels, and I'm like, yeah, but like your brand reaching a C level, they've already like made their decision. I'm like, my whole thing is, I want to reach the senior manager slash senior director type of people and below because what's going to happen is if you get them excited about whatever your product is they are probably going to take it up to their boss and say hey i saw this and i think we should look into it or what's going to happen is they're going to have approval they're going to implement it and then what like it's going to give them a promotion or like it's going to work for them from a tech side of things and it's going to allow them to do something else in their career and so that's like why we were able to kind of take a lot of early advertising market shares because we were with even our like branded content and the things that we were doing, like we were one of the first people to do webinars as like crazy as this seems. Obviously webinars are now in vogue because that's what I everyone love does. Webinars. Like, you know that. Uh... Yeah, yeah, of course. Like they're great. Uh, but you know, when we were like, it was, uh, like kind of looking at the market from the business side of things, we're like, Hey, like we should be doing this. And like, and no one else was doing it. And we were, and we always said like, no, this is like a, like our webinars are conversation driven. It's not sales driven. And it's like, and it's like super engaging. And the reason why is because we want people who are younger and like, that's kind of how it worked. And we were able to kind of see like super results. Like we were out kicking our coverage four to one when it kind of ad spend to return early on. And that's why we were able to build a lot of really good partners. So yeah, like I said, like I always tell people, like, it, it really is true. If I would have had the money I just before we did the spent the four years doing what we did and built like kind of like and look it's not like a barstool audience at all right it's very different they're super rabid and it's a completely different thing but we literally spent four years cultivating an audience that like liked us at our very worst or I I wouldn't even say our very worst but our very like intro before everything else and so but like they just liked what we were doing and like what we were trying to do I think that's the other thing too that people don't really think about a lot oftentimes is people will give you some grace as long as you're trying to do it like, and as long as you're trying to be different and provide them with something and provide them with value and like not ask for anything in return. Like the other thing too is like, we knew we couldn't charge for anything. So we're like, well, we're just going to yeah. give it away for free. Like, why not? Because that gives us a competitive advantage literally. Exactly. Still to this that's day. the word competitive advantage. And, and also yeah. I think that's a great point you make because like you forget how forgiving people are when, when you, it, as long as you show you give a shit, like people yeah. are forgiving. Like, I mean, I used to joke with early digital, we we committed every atrocity like possible, like honestly, and like people were pretty forgiving. I mean, we ran an entire award show where the host got confused and read off the wrong winners where we had to like go and like collect the trophies from the people who thought they won and like distribute (laughs) (laughs) awkward, but people forgive. Some people were pretty pissed. It took them a couple days to forgive, but people did forgive. And, yeah. you know, you got to just do it at the end of the day and 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 build that and people will be on your side. And I think the other thing with money, I think that's an interesting point, because I would always say, like, you know, not having look, it's not all like great. Right. It's it's yeah. it's bad because you can see opportunities sometimes and you can't pour gas on them. And that's frustrating. Yeah. Um, but it's good because you can't waste time on, on shit that's not going to work or continue to waste time on shit that's not working and that is unbelievable because your one scarce asset it's like a cliche but like your one scarce asset is your focus yeah no 100 percent. i mean like i said and it's just like something we i would say it was like honestly yes it was focused for us and we were focused on a certain topic but then i was i even think that we because we had no money we like i wouldn't say we were unfocused but we had to try everything literally everything to like try and make money to try and to drum up excitement to try. i mean we had like a content partnership with the college football playoff at some point like i have no idea why that happened but it just like worked and we put it everywhere and like validated it every and that's the other thing too is it's just like one validation at a time right yeah. like that's honestly kind of what you need whether it's a subscriber whether it's an interview right because i remember I started out interviewing the social media coordinator at a sports publication no one has ever heard of, which is fine. Like, Ravi Shaw is great, great dude, to where I was interviewing, like, general counsels and presidents and, like, heads of brand at Adidas. But it's just, like, all – it's just, it's just like, a, it's just, you yeah. know, steps, right? So you have to take these different steps, even just, like, when we sell, right? As soon as we got Anheuser-Busch, I was like, holy shit, we can get anyone because guess what? Anheuser-Busch is, like, like they, like – want to be a part of us so yeah yeah so i want to talk about that for the in the in the next segment which is execution because there's there's one thing of seeing the white space and you know and starting and stuff but then it's it's a totally different thing to actually execute and and that's where the magic is i'm look it takes vision and it takes execution but i 
you know, without, without the execution vision is, is your delusion. There's a, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of people with great vision down in South beach. And I just came from there, you know, but they also don't have shirts on. I think, I, yeah, I was going to say, I think their vision comes from uh, maybe and a they, few, uh, they smell of alcohol and, and, and weed. Um, yeah, exactly. So let's talk about execution and, and Anheuser-Busch so like for specifically, because, um, you know, I think a lot of times when you're starting something new, you are looking for that kind of validation and you want to find, I remember talking with, uh, Brian Goldberg about early, um, Bleacher Report. And he was like, if I can sell five, like a hundred thousand dollar deals, I we can we can build like a, a really big business and stuff, and it's different levels for different types of businesses. Yeah, for sure. But like you know, at least that's the way I'm looking at it with the rebooting. I'm like, if I can sell a deal for this, then there's probably ten more like this. Um, of course, 100%. it's really hard to do. But talk about the Anheuser Busch and getting them on board because I I remember in talking to you, I was like massively impressed. <laughs> Honestly, it's the craziest. It's not like the craziest story, but. So I went to, and again, this is just like some random thing. I went to Chicago. We were a content partnership uh, partner where they didn't pay us really. They didn't pay us anything. I just voted the bill um, with at IEG. It was a it was a conference that was like a sponsorship conference. And what we did is we were just pulling people to the side, and I was just doing quick interviews. We were videoing it and we were clipping it up and sharing it on social. I sat down with Nick Kelly, who's now the president of uh, Charlotte FC. He's moved on from AB since then. And he was at the time, like he ran sports at Anheuser-Busch. And so we had a good conversation, just made friends and, you know, talked to Was, was every he once like a, a reader? Like, I mean, I guess he was a reader, but like, had he uh, been yeah, like a reader yeah, for a while? Yeah, he definitely knew who we were. And I don't know at the time, like, what was this? Like, yeah, he, he knew who we were for, I don't, I, again, like this was early on and we weren't even really doing the newsletter to where we are now at this point, right? Like this was yeah. early stages, but he knew who we are, knew who we were a reader or knew as a reader. And so him and I chatted and he just mentioned like any, like, let me know if you have anything, like keep me updated. And so... I don't know. I had sent him a couple other emails, but I had found out that he responded to emails on Sundays. The dude is busy. Like he told me he had 160 properties he oversaw, like Anheuser Busch, basically all sports. Like the dude was insanely busy. I don't know how he did it. Um, but he would always respond to my emails on Sunday. And so randomly, I was like, "Hmm." I was like, "Anheuser," I was like, "Rising 25." I said, "We have this idea," and I said, "We have this package." And what I basically pitched it to him as in the emails, I said, "Look." I think this could work. You don't really sponsor any awards, but I said, we have this award that basically is a lifetime moment that if they win, like no one is ever going to forget. Like you're just going to remember it forever. And we're like, why don't we just align you guys with that? We'll do some really cool things. And so, yeah, the first one was, uh, and it was, it was crazy because it was literally, it was like a three email thread. And he's like, this sounds great. Send me a contract. And I was like, are you shitting me? And like, there was, I didn't even have any number in my head. And so I remember Russ, like my co-founder and I, Wait, you 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 and put a number. No, no, I didn't. I just said, what do you think? And he's like, this sounds great. Send me a contract. And I was like, okay. I was like, I was like blank check, I guess. And so, uh, um, doing any, uh, any newsletter sponsorships? Yeah. <laughs> not, I mean, maybe, maybe <laughs> not anymore. I don't know. He's, he's not AB anymore, Nick, but like, yeah. Nick, so yeah, Nick, Nick, call me. Nick Call yeah, me. Nick Kelly. Yeah, call you. <laughs> um, and he, uh, yeah, I remember Russ, my co-founder, who's been you know integral part of this, and I, we haven't spoken a lot about, but it was someone I met at Miami, and him and I kind of hit it off, and I joke about it, but he he was the only person to respond to my Facebook group. So we had a Facebook group for the sports admin program, and he was actually a sports admin minor. I said, hey, I'm starting this like thing in college, and he's like, all right. Like I'll help out, and he was like originally the social media so guy. You like said that, you said this in the Facebook group, and it was like crickets except for except for. <laughs> he was the only one who ever responded. Only one, and we went and had uh, we went and had Caesar salad at the Rat, which is the Rat is like the bar on campus. And the only reason we went is because we're fucking broke college kids, and I had a discount, right? Just, so, Caesar salad is like, pretty fancy though. They didn't, we didn't have I Caesar know. salad in our cafeteria at college. Oh yeah, no, it was great. So um, so yeah, so him and I got connected there, and he's been my you know my right hand man ever since and so anyway it's like him going back to this uh anheuser-busch thing like him and i are like wait what the fuck do we put like do we put like uh two hundred thousand do we put and so we like finally landed on a number and nick was like yeah sounds good and i was like was the number number, can are you gonna tell me what the number is come on 
Nick's not even uh, at his job. Come nah, on. Yeah, no, it was it was it was a hundred. It was like dude, yeah. like, and I was like, but that, that was like massive for me no. at the time. I was like, oh my god, dude, I, I like, would what? like, I would go nuts if I would be like doing laps around the Terra Beach. I, I literally was like jumping. I was like, I like was share. I shared a room. But 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 seriously, you you charged probably it probably was more than you felt comfortable charging. Was it? Oh, hundred percent. Because like I always say, yeah. one of the one of the rules that I've it's like always charge more than you're comfortable. Yeah, and I was like, honestly, I'm like, I'm gonna shoot this and see what happens. <laughs> I'll give him a year. I'll give him a year exclusivity partnership, yeah, yeah. and I'll shoot it and see what happens. And he's like, yeah, this is fine. And it took him a little bit to sign the contract, but they uh, they signed the contract, and we were we were off and running in 2019. We uh, they were the partner again. They yeah. just re-signed a three year deal with us uh, to be the partner again. They've that since expanded into other industry awards. We have. A competitor not to be named who literally launched a, a an award that's called New Voices Under Thirty and it's also <laughs> sponsored by Anheuser Busch three oh, or four man. years after we launched Rising Twenty Five and so okay. uh, yeah it is what it is but you know it's it's been it's been great right <laughs> like we've been able to do really cool things with us they trust us um, a lot which is like the other thing too is that we really learned early on is that like for Anheuser Busch that money doesn't like it means something but like in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean a lot of things versus like a tech company who spends like $10,000 and like that means like everything and they have to see returns or they're not going to like ever yeah. work with you again. And so they've always been so, I mean, last year uh, we built a digital and physical uh, soccer team. Like everyone got soccer jerseys and we made like soccer kits with AB InBev, like Rising 25 logos. Everyone this year has starter jackets. Um, so it's like throwback to the 90s and, you know, our kind of internal barometer for the success of the the products and things that we're doing is like we always say like we don't set the bar we raise the bar so even if we set the bar personally it's like how do we raise it the next year right the first year we had rising 25 or the second year we had rising 25 we had like a gala at a nightclub and we rented out the entire an entire nightclub in in new york city and had like 200 people there it was like amazing wait i think i can't this this was like at the jay-z place was it not at marquee it was at marquee you might have come honestly i I think i invited you i feel like a Maybe I'm confused now. I thought it was like a 40 under 40. What was it? 40, 40, 40? Uh, for, it's 40, 40 club. It's the 40, 40 club. Yeah. Know. So it wasn't there, but it was at. <laughs> have it at space. I'll be there. Exactly. Uh, no, it's 11. If we're going to have it anywhere, it's 11. That's, I don't even that's know what that spot. is. I don't. So uh, yeah, yeah. You, you I'm should, in you North should go. with all the old people. Like, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to get down to 11. I think, uh, I think you'd enjoy it. I might it, let the COVID but... calm down a little bit more before I go to, go to 11. <laughs> what? There's no COVID in Miami. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you talking about? Well, there's no COVID. Yeah. Um, so, so Anna Bush, that definitely was like a validation that you, you got a business on your hands. And then, then it was a question of how do I grow this business? How do we grow? this business and ultimately you have to decide are we going to bootstrap it or are we going to take outside funding what are we going to do explain yeah. that because we talked a little bit i one of my big regrets uh was that we didn't do a deal because it would have been a great deal but we had too many things going on but explain what you you were thinking because i always thought in talking to you that um and no bullshit like that you like one of your great um strengths was that you were very self-aware for for someone um you know who's pretty early in his career you were very early graduated yeah, very early dude uh, <laughs> i'm not gonna sugarcoat it yeah. you're really young and like but you you were very thoughtful and self-aware about like you know what you you knew it you knew a lot but you also knew that there was some stuff you didn't know <laughs> yeah and look i mean honestly at the end of the day that's like I knew there was a space. Like I knew there was an opportunity for us. We had that. We had spent four years validating it. Again, this goes back to the whole money or validation thing. And we spent four years validating it while I was at school. People were telling me, "Hey, you should do this. You should look at this. You should try this." And um, you know, it was it was so funny. It's like it kind of comes full circle because right after we had gotten the investment, I actually ended up getting a tip from someone that the AAF, which was the Alliance of American Football, was going bankrupt. That one of that that person was someone who I had done an informational interview with two or three years ago. We ended I ended up having to go into some and look, I'm not even a reporter. Like I was just like, oh my God. Like I was like running our social channel at the time, whatever. And I was like There's no accreditation process. It's fine. I was like palm sweating, like trying to go through like I think it's the SARS system or something. I can't remember. It's like the legal system where you can see like filings. And I found the filing. I grabbed the picture. I was like, I think this is the right copy. I'm like, I don't, I'm legal. I'm not like a lawyer. I was literally texting like our pro bono lawyer. I was like, is this right? Like, can I say this? 
And so we put it out, and we, I mean, we broke the news by like a, a country mile. No one was anywhere near us, and it went viral. Everything was like that. We didn't, I didn't even get a story. We didn't give enough a story on the site, right? Like we had kind of, we had hired an editor, and I like just went rogue, and I was like, I'm gonna get this up, whatever. Uh, but that led to us hiring, um, you know, Mike, who's been on a team, is like a, a senior writer, and because he saw the story and was like, oh, this is really interesting. I haven't seen anything like this, but it's just been like. So, anyways, back to the investment side of things, but that's like a roundabout yeah. but way. That, but that's like, a, I, of, just like that's another validator, right? Like you're, yeah. you're just like you're building, you're building, and I think a lot of times people, you know, they look for home runs and stuff. And you know, I want to have people on who are building stuff uh, on this podcast. And the truth of the matter is, you're doing, you keep doing, doing, doing stuff, and then you get these validations, and you get, and you start to, you start to stack them, and pretty soon you got something yeah. on your hands. Yeah, it's like incremental and then quickly, like whatever yeah. well, always people, I, I always say like, yeah, like that story it wouldn't have happened if I didn't do what I did three years ago and it just happened to all work out in our favor, right? So yeah, I mean, again, it's just like, as you know, media businesses, unless like you hit a home run or you have something extremely hot, like right away, it's impossible to build. Like, it's not like something like you can go from like zero to a hundred million in ARR in two years, like some of these software companies, because it's just not physically yeah. possible, right? Like that. And it's yeah. just, it's always a trailing effect, as you know, right? Like you spend a year building an audience and now you can monetize that whole audience the next year. And then, then you have to spend another year, not only keeping that audience, but building more audience. And then you can like, so it's just like, there's always like a trailing effect. And so, yeah, that all kind of happened in you know, the reason we took investment is just it, it, fortuitous. It just happened. And it's really, again, like uh, it was in the right place at the right time. And I always tell people, and it was so funny. One of the same, it's the same person who I spoke with about the tip also gave me a, a career advice that I always remember. And it's like, be a fountain, not a drain. And so whenever I reached out to anyone, it was like value add, right? Like it was like, hey, like this is what it is. And so somehow, and when I, Jason and I got connected, this it was Jason literally, Stein. It was, yeah, Jason Stein, who's on the Digiday podcast. I know you exactly. guys took royalty Thank for you. that. But um, what do I yeah, get, like 1%? Was, yeah, we'll add, it, we'll add it to the cap table. Um, anyway, so I'll tell Jason. To, I'll tell Jason. Yeah, to take it out comes of his out, no, it doesn't come out of your share. It comes out of Jason's. Just to yeah, it comes out of his. Yeah, it comes out of his. Um, but anyway, so yeah, like, he was on the Digiday podcast and he talked about some things and I was like, oh, really relatable. I quote tweeted the podcast. Him and I were following, or he, I was following him. He wasn't following me. He followed me, and then we just happened to at that time had shared a piece of content from Cycle, which was the content agency that he was running on. FOS like probably two or three days earlier that kind of went viral so I sent it to him in a DM and I was like hey man good to be connected if you ever have anything else like this like let me know blah 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 and he's like yeah we'll do and we kind of went back and forth I would always like if I saw something about them I would send it to him like I think it was the Moe deal they did something with ESPN I sent it to him I said this was really cool and again super fortuitous the girl who I was living with at the time in, in Miami ended up breaking up with me and I am not an emotional tweeter at all. But for some reason, I literally just was like tweeted out. It's amazing what can happen in a year. And he saw it and sent it to me in a DM and literally said, how can I help? And that's how it started. And three years later, he can't get rid of me. Wait, um, wait, wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Were, were you tweeting about the girl and he thought it was about something else i was i was tweeting about everything at the time it was like it was just like a man it was like the girl story dude <laughs> why this is like the reels it gets like, i know i like this i like this but yeah reels so it streets. was literally it was yeah it was it was uh yeah it's like, it was like all about like some of the other things and again just happened to be in the right place oh my god did right he really time. do did he really do the how can i help jason come on that's cliche. Yeah, he DM'd me and said, let me it's know how cliche, I can help. Dude. And so we got on a call in early April of 18. I went in, in I went to New York in mid-18, mid-2018. And I'll never forget this. I like basically harassed his assistant after we had that call into making sure we had a meeting. And then we get there and he has his office in Dumbo. It's beautiful. I go in and like the um the assistant had like breakfast burritos waiting and he jokes with me. He's like, he never gets breakfast burritos for anyone, so he must like you. Uh, and then as I, like, we had the meeting, we chatted or whatever. And then I left and I like went to dap up his assistant and I ended up like hitting his like reed oil things and just spilling it over the entire desk. And I was like, are you fucking kidding reed me? Oil. I was just, yeah. Like, so, you know, like the, like the scented like oils that you put the oh, sticks really? in that like smell. Yeah. He had it on his desk, but I hooked it and I spilled it everywhere. So I'm oh, literally okay. in the cab back to Midtown. Cause I was at a conference or something like that. 
ordering like fucking Amazon on demand to like drop this guy a fucking reed oil. It was the funny. I was just like, oh my. I was like, I'm That's so. Hilarious. I like just totally screwed this up. Um, yeah, doesn't matter. But ended up. Ended All up right. Not, so he. Had, so. You guys ended up hooking up, and then you know, then you had sort of the the capital you needed to execute the next sort of phase of FOS. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And my battery is about to run out so you can, you can crop this, but I'm gonna go run and grab my charger and plug it in. I'll just give me one sec. I'll be right back. Sorry. That happened. That was happening to me. Yes. Uh, yesterday, JP. No, I mean, just because of the AirPods, like uh, you're right. The AirPods are, are miserable. Yeah, like I couldn't hear out of my right one. <laughs> I know it's amazing with AirPods. Like they're like a massive, like there's like a hundred billion dollar product, but they still have so many flaws. It's actually, and it's actually my uh, my computer. My computer dies really fast sometimes. Oh no! Uh, we we got like we got like ten audio. ten more minutes or so. No, it's all good. I'm, I just plugged it back in, so we're all, right. all good to go now. Um, do you remember where we were? We were talking about uh, the capital right, so, for yeah. FOS. I'll, I'll yeah. just start start with that. Cool. Okay, so you got after hooking up with Jason, you you, you have capital, um, and that's going to be the fuel to build the sort of the next get to the next level for FOS. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we got like I said, we hired our first full time employee in nineteen. At the time, the business was really focused on like we wanted to be kind of a hybrid, right? Like, mm-hmm. I went like what Axios was doing. Like, we kind of wanted to do right, and like they're a little bit obviously much different, right? Much bigger, but like they had like original reporting and obviously had their newsletters, and we kind of wanted to do both. And like that was the plan. And all of nineteen, we kind of built the team around that, and it, it worked, and it was good. And then we go into twenty, the pandemic hits. We're like, I mean, we went into twenty. We're like, holy shit! Like we're gonna crush this year. Like we were, like we were in a really good spot. We'd already almost booked all of the revenue that we had booked for nineteen in the first quarter. We just gotten a new office in like this co working <laughs> space. Like I mean, it was like offices. Like what are those now? Um, and so I remember, and so the pandemic hit. And we're like, shit, what do we do? And so what happened was, is like, we were noticing, like, we were writing more content than ever. And because at the time, like, all this stuff around sports literally went into our lane because it was like there was no live sports. So now everyone was talking about all the implications, all the, the, the sports being shut down, like all of these things. Right. And, you know, I. I said to the team, like, this is a huge moment for us from a coverage standpoint, not to like, like play down the pandemic at all. Like, that's not something we would want to do. But uh, and so but it was funny. We were creating writing more content than ever. But there was only one channel that was growing and it was the newsletter. And I was like, that's weird. Like, I mean, we were still like growing the audience, but it was like it was again, we were kind of doing these middle of the road analysis pieces that were like, again, kind of like an SBJ light, nothing against them. But it just wasn't hitting with our audience. And so. We decided in the middle of last year to really pivot to like, all right, we're going to cover this as like a Bloomberg would cover business, but like from a sports standpoint, we're going to cover markets, we're going to cover finances, we're going to cover big picture business stories, we're going to reorient the business only on the like the newsletter side of things. We like completely doubled down there. Obviously, grew the the audience pretty. uh, You know, we went from like twenty thousand to two hundred thousand subs that year, and from there it was just like, okay, we have this, and now let's have the opportunity to take advantage of some other areas and so you know that was the really big focus we said okay like there's really no one doing this and you know as anyone can probably say in the newsletter businesses and you were probably one of them but like ours a little bit different but our whole thing is around like instead of trying to like drive like we were basically pushing content to a place and then trying to drive people to that place we're like what if we just get them to subscribe and we just drive the content to them right it's just it's like literally like we it's one friction point versus like not only do we have to publish the story, it has to show up on Twitter, it has to get in their feed, they have to click it, they have to go to the site. There's just so much friction in modern digital media. People, I don't feel like they talk about that enough. Yeah. And you know, like, even though they like say we have all these platforms and everything else like this, there's just so much friction. And so for us, we're like, okay, let's double down on this. Obviously, we were close with the Morning Brew guys and saw what they were doing. And we said, all right, like, there's an opportunity for us to do that in and around the mm-hmm. sports space. And we just but really you decided, focused on You decided that. to go, I think what's interesting, and it's the, the sort of the last... The, chapter that I want to get into is the prosumer opportunity yeah. because I, 
I wrote about it like a few weeks ago. I mean, it's I know. Very I was attractive. like, I should have trade. I should have trademarked that. I was like, hmm, prosumer. That's interesting. Where have I heard that before? I was and like, that's I need a little TM forever. I think you invented I'm gonna, this. You I graduated from college in 2017. People were using this stuff when you were in short pants. Nah, nah, I, need, I need an I need an NFT. I need an NFT, <laughs> and I need a royalty anytime people use that. Right? That's how you do it. I didn't steal that from you. No way. I'll go back. I'll Google it. Um, anyway, I, everyone wants this. Everyone wants the 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 sort of the B two B. You get high rates. You can do lots of stuff with B two B. It's a direct connection business. But then you you want the heat of like consumer. It's really difficult to run both businesses. Like, yeah. Not that you asked my advice, but my advice would have been like stay in your lane. But you were like, no, no way. Explain that because that's it's it's a big bet. I think. Like, you know, yeah, to try yeah. to operate both a B2B property in in front office and then these other newsletters, you've got the, the association. Um, yep. I, that's my favorite. I got to admit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I honestly, it's like we've we've seen it's like it's it's an interesting. But no, explain take, the right? other so, newsletters. You, you've got like these yeah, consumer so, yes. newsletters. Yes. Yes. So the consumer newsletter sports section, the association and the rundown. Right. And so, again, that was like a bet on like, do we do we have the ability to, to do that? And it was an early bet. And, and quite frankly, like we learned a ton. And honestly, like you catch us at a good time where we're going forward and it's really just going to be front office sports and sports section because we learned with the association that most people, the NBA newsletter is a great newsletter, but most people are consuming NBA news on Twitter or on social platforms. And it's not going to be a scaled property, right? A long term, whereas like a general sports property, maybe. Okay, so you're you're going, you're going with. So Two. you're going to have... Yeah, so we're going to have front office sports and sports section. So sports section is already north of 50,000 subs, which is great. And front office sports proper is up north of 500. So it's like we launched wow. the four. We launched two, right? Um, and like three, actually. We launched the three, sports section, the association, and the rundown. And we like learned over the course of the last six to eight months, like, you know, more people are going to consume in a general kind of news standpoint from a newsletter just consumer like general sports like broad sports it's a lot harder to grow a scaled like kind of like one sport thing and for us it's like we already have a like a general business why don't we just do general like general business of sports and now we have general sports right so like put those two together we have the ability to really ramp up from there and so so let, um, me, let me ask you this because like yeah. i i said like i like the association that was my favorite one and now you're telling yeah. me that it's like no longer yeah i know give it to i know me. that sucks but like, I, but I think that's my experience it, because like, I'm not like, I think it's because I've, you know, as you get older, you start to like, you know, peel back on things and like, I'm yep. like, there's too much sports. I, I'm just NFL and NBA at this point. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. And that's hundred percent right. It's also super, very local too. Right. So I honestly am super bullish on like maybe if Axios is going to do this or someone like, I still think like local sports newsletters could work a hundred thousand percent one because the rates are insane, right? Like I was telling the people who were selling live Marlins games from an ad standpoint and granted it's live sports. I get it, but they were getting like a hundred dollar CPMs in local markets yeah. on like live. And I'm like, this is the Marlins, no offense to the Marlins, but like this is the lowest of the low from the a like <laughs> quality standpoint, right? They so, have no fans. Um, You're not going to offend anyone. <laughs> yeah. 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 So so anyways, like, again, it's just like you have the ability to, and we learned a lot. And like, I think that's the biggest thing is we learned like, Hey, like this isn't a bad thing. Like, and the content was great. The writers are great. They're going to be on the sports section newsletter too. And now we have a full team. And then we'd also, you know, candidly, we stretched ourselves probably a little bit too thin. We had shared resources. We built all the tech behind it and it all works across the platform and it's good. But like trying to sell one newsletter and like still newsletters from a sales process as you know in general and just everyone are still new like i remember speaking to someone at the end of last year who was telling me the new york times had just sold their first direct newsletter only deal that was the new york freaking times right like and so it's like we were trying to sell four different properties the messaging was a little bit off and like this is really in the nitty-gritty of kind of like and then even looking like when you're looking at like customer acquisition stuff Honestly, like trying to do a, a sports betting newsletter up against like buying terms that like DraftKings and fans, like yeah. I, there's no way you can compete. It's literally impossible, no. right? No, they're, they're, and so we were like looking at all the metrics and it was just like this like general sports newsletter is I, way I, up I think here. Life, and, like, I all think these the lifetime things. value of like a betting person is like over a thousand dollars. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, most of these, most of these customers, most of these companies like DraftKings and FanDuel are paying 200 to $500 to acquire a user, yeah. like up, upwards of that. And it's like, I, I, don't, I, I don't have that. I don't have that bankroll. <laughs> that's why 
it drives me nuts like watching football now because it's just gambling and stuff and and i'm not like i don't i don't like the game well, so and stuff. it's really interesting to see how that's going to play out because at the same time in the uk which had a much more mature sports betting market much sooner than the u.s there's now a whole movement to not allow betting companies to only advertise and to not only advertise on like the 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 logo or the the jerseys of the soccer teams but at games like during the games and so it's like there's just a whole yeah there was just a whole thing that really? the um i think the english parliament is trying to pass something around the fact that like it's it's either become there's there's too many people with problem gambling or they're worried about that and they're actually thinking about it. and i like, think the premier league or someone said again I, we wrote about this the other yeah. day but i think it's something like they're going to lose out on a hundred million dollars a year in sponsorship and that's the one thing i do worry about the broader industry as we look at it is like everyone is like I wouldn't say overcorrecting, but sports betting is like the shiny thing. And I just do worry that there is only a certain market for that. And like, there's only going to be a couple winners, like the DraftKings and the FanDuel's of the world. They're going to eat everyone else. Mm-hmm. And because, and then after that, it's just like, I don't know, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are putting a lot of eggs in this sports betting basket. And I get it because like, there's, as I said, if like, if it's like something like $1,200, um, LTV, like, you know, people are going to spend a lot of money and we're seeing, yeah. you know, obviously Barstool got acquired by Penn, um, a large part of it. Um, and I think more of that will happen, uh, probably It'd be interesting what yeah. happened to see what happens to Bleacher. Um, but at the yeah, same I mean, time, I think they're ripe. I think Yahoo is a big one too. Like what's yeah. going to happen with Yahoo fantasy? I mean, I believe, honestly, I think Yahoo, it depend like depending on what the new, I think it's Apollo that now owns them. I think yeah. uh, Apollo is going to spin out Yahoo fantasy and just sell it to, to a bleacher reporter or a fan duel or a bet MGM or whoever, because like that to me is like, they already have the built in user base. But right? what you're saying is like, this might be a little bit of a bubble. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not sold on it. And maybe it's because I live in New York and I can't bet on it. I, if I, I'm, it's funny because Arizona is now, which is completely random is like a huge spot now. And where I used to live and maybe it's because I live in, in New York and I can't mobily bet on it. Maybe it is, but like, I, it just is, I, I don't know. Is there going to be mass adoption? I have no, is there going to be the adoption that people think, right? Like I think around football, yes, obviously, because it's one game a week. It's a lot easier to bet. It's just like fantasy football. Fantasy football is much bigger than fantasy baseball, fantasy basketball, everything like that. And there'll be people who bet on it and everything like that. But I don't know. I just feel like there's just a lot of people when you get outside of like the media space and people talking about it all the time, like nonstop, nonstop. There's just a lot of people who are risk averse, or who don't even have the cash to bet. And I just don't think that's ever going to change. And so your market is only going to be so much, yeah. right? I mean, I think I could be wrong, but I, I believe that that we're sort of finding that out with, with legalized cannabis. Like, I think a lot of people, either people are happy with their dealers or um, when it legalized, because I believe California had like far fewer tax receipts than they had planned for and you know the 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 cannabis stocks haven't shot every stock's gone bonkers but like (laughs) haven't been like outperforming the market i just wonder whether or not some look it's normal like you know capitalism loves little mini bubbles so well it's like it's like anything right like everyone talks about like even if you look at alcohol in Europe, right, when it's like freely available to people who are under 18 or whatever it is, like there's less people who drink, um, you know, in term, not drink in general, but like over drink. Yeah. And like, whereas kids in, in, in the U.S., when you can't drink until you're 21, it's like really cool. And there's like a kind of like stigma to like underage drinking and are you going to get caught and this, that and the other. And then once it's freely available, like you know, drinking a lot less, right? And things like that. So it, it, again, it could be a very similar thing. So yeah. I don't know. The, I just... The Brits are a little bit of an outlier on that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no offense, Brits. We'll, 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 we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, look, I think it's a huge market. I think it's going to do a lot for the industry. I think it's going to do a lot for women's sports too, which will be which will be fascinating to kind of see. But, and look, at large, it's, it's a great for our business too, right? Because they want to advertise with our audience and we have a really big relationship with DraftKings who's been a great partner for ours. But, you know, it's... I just don't like how big can it actually get is the biggest question. So let's talk about how big front office is like, so how, how big is the company now? 
34 full-time employees. We rejiggered the, the company under FOS. So, like, we were thinking about, like, do we put it under another brand when we were thinking about launching these other, like, consumer verticals? Because the one thing that the, – the bane, and this isn't a bad thing, but the bane of front office sports is it's very difficult to make it something else, right? Like, what's nice about Axios is you can literally make Axios anything. Axios Pro Rata, Axios AM, Axios China, whatever it is. With Morning Brew, same thing. Marketing Brew, EdTech Brew. Like, it works. Front office sports – we could maybe like make it front office betting, front office sports betting, but that really sounds businessy. And so we were like, well, what works? And we like rejiggered it under like, so FOS is kind of how we position the parent company now and like it's front office sports and sports section. And we're kind of positioning it in market as like this first mass market daily sports newsletter network that we're building. And so FOS, it's like kind of like it's an endorsed brand. Yeah, right. so it's like I mean, FOS, and then you have like front office sports is an FOS brand, sports yeah. section is an FOS brand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yep. The corporate brand doesn't really matter. I think like you no, know, it, it doesn't. But it's just like when we were in market, it's like there is definitely a different conversation, yeah. specifically from an advertiser standpoint, or even when we're talking to anyone. It's like you know, if you're positioning a, a business publication versus like a non-business or less business publication, like you're you're going to find different ways. And so uh, that's why we positioned it as such, is kind of just to give us like one parent brand. And like when we go to market, it's FOS, and it depends on obviously who the brand we're talking yeah. to. But if we're going to like uh Invesco, perfect example we're going to go to them as fos because not only do they want a business audience and like the obviously the audience across the board is very similar but like they're a big partner of the ncaa like does a ton makes a ton of like sense to advertise with us on both properties and sometimes we have people on one property and one on the other or both properties it just depends but okay yeah. 34 people what are you gonna do in revenue let me guess uh what do you like close, eight million? close to five i wish five it should be, be eight nice. Yeah, I know. You sound like our investors. Come on. You're Jason, on the cap table. Are you I know listening? it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he will. Um, yeah, so probably probably close to five this year. Uh, and then I think we're, we're, we're looking at north of uh, 10 to 12. Are you going to be up from 2019? Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. For sure. We, from 2019? Not, we, we, don't do, we don't do year-on-year comps here at the rebooting because 2020... Yes. What? I mean, we're we're gonna be up four hundred percent over two hundred uh, twenty twenty. All right, everyone loves the year over year comps. Yeah, year. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah, hundred. I mean, look, like we did. What was it like? Eight hundred thousand in twenty nineteen or something like that, right? So it's definitely a, it's definitely grown a ton. But so, it's just it is really interesting. No, so, yeah. so the final thing, and then because I don't want I, I used to say. I used to say I would try to keep the podcast to a half hour because that was like the length of a commute, but nobody commutes, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, exactly. But like the last thing I want to talk to you a little, just just very briefly about is is managing and leading without having really any experience outside of being like a server in a restaurant as an even employee. <laughs> That's a big learning. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is extremely difficult. Also, it's extremely difficult when you're younger than most of the people too. Like I'm still 26, right? Going on 27 in a month. Uh, so it's been interesting, right? So, and this is one of the things that I've been trying to work on a lot more and I'm definitely not perfect at it at all. And I think there's going to be, but not, so it's just, I'm in this weird spot, right? Where we obviously have investors and a board. So I'm managing up there and then I'm also managing down to the team. And like, it just takes a completely different mindset, messaging points, how you're talking to them, what you're doing, what it looks like. And the one thing too, is that, you know, it is difficult and whether it's a stigma or not, but like, it is kind of difficult sometimes because I literally did everything in this business. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like I ran social, I used mm -hmm. to write, I know what works. I've sold everything, like literally done it all. And so, you know, when we were first starting and we were first hiring employees, like I was having one-to-one, -one, obviously one-to-one -one connections with yeah. maybe more junior level people. And like, I just brought a different energy and passion and kind of, and then maybe it turned people off, right? And like things like that. But like some of the biggest and most important things that we've done is honestly, we hired this uh, ahead of people, Shira, uh, probably like six months ago, I think now, eight months ago, huge, huge. She started putting in processes and lattice and reviews and like everything. And it just made a major difference. Right. And then we started to build out the exec team underneath us. Right. So we have a head of marketing a head of growth and we're working for a head of brand partnerships. Uh, we have like, a, you know, an executive editor now. And so instead of now interfacing with the entire team all the time, like I still interface with people generally, like every once in a while or Slack or in conversations, but I'm yeah. only interfacing with them. And so it's just been like, there's a, there's a gigantic know, it's, it's difference just, between like a 15 person company and a 30 person like it's oh, just massive and i really it's, think it's that's massive. the and you can really easily become a bottleneck 
And even without like intending, you can end up, you don't perceive that you're being a micromanager, but because if you do anything, you have a particular view on things and like, then you have people doing it, but you're like, but I want you to do it. Like I did it. (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, look, and that's one of the biggest things because like I told you, I did everything. And so like, to me, it's like, Oh, like it took me for so long to like let go of the day to day keys of social media. Right. Like it like way longer than it probably should have just because I'm like, well, I know this and I can do it and I don't even have to worry about telling anyone or getting approval. Like I'll just do it. And so, yeah, I mean, I think I've learned that Uh, you have to trust people. You have to spend a lot of time. And that's the other thing, too, is like it's, it's almost like measuring twice and cutting once with people, too, is like that's the old adage, like. We have to really train people and have them up to speed and like set, like we have an employee handbook now. So everyone understands like what we do. We have an editorial playbook. I know you talk about recipes all the time, right? Like, and it's like all of these things because like you just don't scale and grant it all work as long as I need to, to make this thing happen. But that's the one thing. Yeah, what else do I have to fucking do? I'm going to go home and sit next to my fucking plants and talk to my plants. Like, what, what else am I going to do? That's what I always tell people. No, like, but you've got so many business ideas. So, like, you know. They're, they're, oh, I do. So Vasectomies. I'm, I'm gonna... telling you, that's that's the next oh, one. Oh, Jesus. That's the next one. That's the next one. I'm telling you. That is the biggest. Um, yeah, this is not. I didn't, I didn't know rebooting. this one. Have we discussed this Oh, one? yeah. No, it's a big one. I'm telling you. I thought you were about cutting hair, not cutting that. Oh, yeah, both. Barbers (laughs) and that. Like, I'm telling you, like, I won't put them together. But I believe in the next three to five years, you can quote me on this. We can go review it in three to five years that, like, birth control will be flipped and it'll be more on the men than it will be on the women. Oh, right. We did discuss this. Yeah. 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 No, it makes sense. Again, that's that's an interesting thing. But, yeah, Yeah, I mean. That's a classic mall brand. Yeah, snips, perfect. Literally, snips. snips. Come on, yeah, it's like perfect, right? Like, honestly, uh, I don't know, but Lair Hippo would invest in that. Yeah, for maybe. Sure. I, I they, mean, they, they're, someone they're would. In that, they're in on that like uh, hip tattoo place, whatever, or what's not tattoo? The the, the piercing place. Uh, Claire's. That's City. the only piercing place I know. I don't know. No, 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 no. They studs. It's they've got one like in Soho. It's like. You know the, the you know the, all the research. It's like oh, the average like millennial and Gen Z has like you know eleven piercings. Um, I don't even know where you pierce eleven parts of your body, but I you don't know. know. Like, like, and, you know, so, it used to be you go to piercing pagoda, and it's like kind of terrible. Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't know, but anyway, so yeah, so that's like. That's one of the things that I think are long term. But yeah, the, the leadership has been so. Di- and look, I'm not perfect at it at all, and I'm trying to get better at it every yeah. single day. But it's just like I said, it's like it's it's part letting go, and it's part like making sure you trust the people and like hire. Because my biggest thing is like the 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 best employees that we've ever had, and probably the best employees anyone's ever had, and, and why Shira is like a great employee and was amazing is like her and I had a conversation. She already knew more about me than I really knew about me, which was cool uh, when I first interviewed her, but she like laid out this whole thing and she called it Shira's dirty 30, which was like her first 30 days. And what happened was when we hired her, she literally did exactly what she said. And I think that's the one thing that like you have to figure out is, and especially from a startup standpoint, and this is like something we've definitely learned specifically on the sales side of things is that, and I actually had a CEO uh, of one of our partner companies and he mentioned this to me and I've really, this has really sat with me a lot is that you should look at everyone in your interview process, depending on where they come from and ask them like straight up, are you good or is the brand you work for good? And like, there's a huge difference between yeah. being good and the brand you work for being good, right? Like I talked to someone, um, you know, in an interview with like, and they are working at like CBS and he's like, look, I'll be honest with you. A dog with a piece of paper in his mouth can sell CBS, right? Like it's like easy, right? But it's not easy to sell FOS. And like, that's a real thing. And like, I think that's one thing that when you're yeah. talking about like startup employees and everything like that is like, it's great to have people who have pedigree on their resume, but oftentimes that pedigree comes with a lot of different support elements that you literally yeah. just do not have. And like, yeah, once you start to scale, it makes a lot of sense. But like, that's where, you know, I think we missed on a few hires as we hired people based on like, not like entirely based on pedigree, but like it was something that was appealing. Like, oh, they're yeah. the CRO of X. I, or, I oh, like their background is this. And it's some, like, some, some of my crazy biggest mistakes. And it wasn't like, I, and when I say mistakes, I don't mean the, the person because it's always, it's two ways because like you're putting a person yeah. in a bad in a bad framework, right? I mean, you see it all the time in like in sports and NFL. Like, I mean, you know, Sam Darnold's actually, 
He's actually looks like a good quarterback. He's a pretty good quarterback. It's like this guy can do stuff. There's a reason he was drafted number one. But the context he was put in was the New York Jets. Um, Correct. And some quarterbacks can, you know, they can light it up no matter what. But some people need yep. to be in a system, and it's fine. It's not, you know, I think most people no. need to be in a system. And and when you, some people can just like adapt. But there's a lot of people, and particularly when you get blinded by some some big brand name you're like oh we hired someone from the guardian i was like yeah 100 yeah. and it's just like again like you mentioned it's like and like we're just so cognizant of that now and again obviously we're growing the profile is getting to a place where it's definitely helpful but like still like you there's our sales team makes their own decks like there's places that like they're just given decks and told to go sell right like we have to do different things and that's just like the nature of the beast but now it's on us if if we make a mistake hiring it's because we yeah. we put someone in the wrong position not that they are the wrong person as we put someone in the wrong position yeah. but that's why i think it's like very and i think it's it's really particularly hard when it's um a tighter labor market and it's it's very competitive yep. for talent is is being brutally honest with people and doing the kind of self-scouting and self-assessment i mean as i said like i think like you're incredibly self-aware so you you'll you'll be able to do that but i think sometimes the tendency can be to go into sales mode when you're, you're, you're trying to sell the person on this thing, but like, you gotta be, you can't like, you know, bad talk, talk down the opportunity, but you gotta be really, um, honest. I, I feel like about, you know, here, here are the, you know, great things about it. Here's some of the things that are, that are, that are challenging. And, yeah. and I think people appreciate that because you're really just looking for both sides want a good fit. Nobody wants someone who's unhappy and people don't want to be 100%. unhappy. Yeah. It's literally the worst thing possible to put someone to put a square peg in a round hole. Like it's literally the worst thing possible. It's the worst thing for you because now you have to like now that person is onboarded for ninety days and then maybe you have to offboard them because it wasn't a good fit and now you have to find someone else and now you're a quarter behind. Like it's really measuring twice and cutting once when it comes to a lot of yeah. these people, specifically at our level, because it just and as you know, like media as much as everyone wants to talk about tech and this and that and this and that and fucking whatever, like it's all about the people. It literally is all about the people that I've learned. And that's honestly been the best thing just from my side of things. When like, we talk about the managing the restaurant and serving and stuff like that, because all I did was like, all I was was around people all the time. Like, and it was the most meaningful thing. And I think the big thing too, and I, I've, I've told people this too, is that, what happened was is my mom and my dad I literally didn't I didn't grow up with like cable TV or anything like that I didn't have a phone until I was a sophomore in high school or whatever it was but I would always go with my mom and my dad and my family my two sisters to a conference in like Tucson Arizona which is a little bit south of Phoenix and I was like three four five years old and my dad would literally just like walk me out to the conference floor and just make me talk to people and I remember like being three four five years old like talking to people not like oh like what's he saying or like what how old is he like no I was like straight up talking to people and I think what happened is like now at, at 26 I've always found that myself personally gets along much better with older people because I've just been doing that for so long and I we, didn't really we had, realize very, we had very different childhoods <laughs> That's my takeaway. That's why we're different people. Like uh, exactly. my parents just told me to go in the backyard and amuse myself, play by myself. So like, I developed a, a, an imagination <laughs> very quickly because I had to just like be out in the backyard playing yeah. by myself. Um, yeah. I, we got to leave it there. This has been awesome. It's been a good uh, way to kick off this this podcast. Um, thanks for being a sport about it. Tell tell Jason to send over the paperwork. I only do DocuSign, so. <laughs> I'll make be... sure he sends it to your assistant. I've heard the word <laughs> Boogans blowing up. Yeah, exactly. Ben Thompson feature, like I mean, I'm, the advertisers are knocking down yeah, the door. Exactly. Um, I only do I only do deep partnerships, as you know. Uh, um, got it. Got it. But thanks yeah. so much. I really appreciate yeah, of it. Of course. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week with a new episode.